Welcome to another episode of Behind the Mic. This is a Vent music podcast series hosted by me, Freddie Cocker. This podcast is, of course, brought to you by Vent, a place where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas, and start conversations. In each episode of Behind the Mic, I check in with artists across different music scenes in the UK and beyond. We talk all about their musical journeys, their artistry, and most importantly, the person behind the mic. In March 2023, I ticked off a big note on my bucket list when I got to see one of my favourite music acts of all time, Young Bay at the Scala in London. Young Bay specialises in a very niche internet music genre which emerged in the early 2010s called Future Funk and he sprinkles in some disco, some house and some electro in his productions as well. Supporting Young Bay, which was a very big surprise, was a four-man garage group called the Sakawa Boys. I had no idea who they were, except the fact they had also played at Luna Lounge in Leytonstone, where I happened to put on the first two Just Checking In Live nights. The Sakwa Boys were so good and put on such a great set that I had to get them on the podcast, so in this episode, I'm checking in with Herman from the group. In this episode, we discuss how the four boys met at university, where they all studied the same course, throwing their own parties, starting out emceeing, before they grew enough in confidence to start the group that it's known as today. Originally, they started out doing hip-hop, but realised it wasn't for them, and have now diverted to a garage sound which they are excelling in. UK Garage has had a big revival in the last five years, and we discuss how they took inspiration from acts like Corrupt FM, as well as garage icons of the late 90s and early noughties. We also discuss the challenges of working a 9-to-5 whilst being a working musician, and why music industry figures don't always seem to realise this reality when it comes to working with artists. For Herman's mental health, We discuss a lack of direction he felt in his late teens and how he's grown up and accepted himself as he's navigated his mid-twenties and the importance of knowing your limits. We finish by discussing the loss of his best friend to suicide in 2022, the shock of that death on Herman and his social circle and why now he's got a lot better at spotting the red flags in his male friends when it comes to their mental health. So get yourself comfy and have a listen as I go behind the mic with Herman from the Sakawa Boys. Herman, welcome to Behind the Mic, bro. Thank you so much for coming on. Let me check in with you. Coming to my flat in North East London, despite the uh, the train engineering work on the Central Line, which has screwed up most of my bank holiday weekend. I am a massive fan of the garage scene right now. I've been a massive fan since the early noughties, and I'm excited to be chatting with a fully blown yeah. garage MC on the podcast. How are you, bro? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. No worries. We've got loads to talk about. It's been a bit of a a whirlwind for you boys in the last kind of couple of years since you you started. So yeah, for sure. Without further ado, are you ready to start the show? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's jump in. Let's start with behind the mic as we always do, mate, by talking about your music journey. So I ask all my music guests this question first: How did your love affair music begin? Who were some of the artists you listened to growing up? What impact did they have on you? And when did you first, in your case, start writing? MCing and producing. So I started doing music when I was young. There was always like music in my house growing up, but I was like just fully into rock and metal until I was like, <laughs> what? What era are we talking? Talking post hardcore? We talking? Yeah, we're talking like I started on on the, like the soft punk, like Green Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that. We're similar age, so we probably did the same route. Yeah. yeah and then, <laughs> then I quickly dove into like Trivium, Bullet Five Valentine. Oh, you went that way, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, then, yeah. and then like Suicide Silence, Whitechapel. Bring me, like, early bring me. Yeah, early yeah. bring me, like proper. Chelsea then, Smile, mate, I remember that. Oh yeah, che- yeah. Jesus. Machine Head, Lamb of God, feel like that. Lamb of God, bro. Yeah. Oh, that takes me back. And, and the reason I think I liked it so much is because at that age. I just wanted to like do madness like <laughs> at any time. And I remember I went with some uh, friends of mine from High Wycombe, where I'm from. We went up to a Machine Head show, and like that really was like big, like the crowd. Pits, mate. Pits. Well, it must have uh, been the, nuts. It was just a whole, there was no like edge to the pit. It was all pit. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was all pit. And like that energy, I was just instantly connected with me. I was like, yes. And then that kind of translated when I was 15. I went to NAS Festival. Oh, okay. In, uh, Shep- that? in Shepton Mallet. 
It's Where like the a, hell is that? It's near, it's near like Bristol. Oh, okay. It's that okay. way. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And essentially like a dance music festival with like skating and BMXing as well. Oh, as it's well. like where two worlds combine. Yeah, it's exactly. Like Jay Z like, did Linkin Park. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I had no like real experience of like raves, but then I went to that and like there's two massive farm barn warehouses mm-hmm. at the stages. Who are some of the people that you saw there? So I would have seen like Andy C. Oh, like, sorry, early DMB. Andy C. Early yeah, like, DMB. like early, like lots of focus, yeah, Nero, focus, yeah. Like, lots of like jump up, great uh, beats. Oh, but yeah. also Sum Forty One was headlining. Oh wow! So okay. it's really weird because I was obviously like gas to see Sum Forty One from like my early music days. So it's like mode step meets pop punk. Exactly, like that, yeah. exactly, and like, and so then after that, I quickly made the transition into like the rave scene. And like, me and my friends used to go to like. Art of Sai and like Shindig, which mm-hmm. was like the squat. It was when squat raves were really popping off again. So we'd like get the party. We'd come up on the train to London, wait for the party line. We'd travel around London chasing these raves. Go to this like abandoned Tesco's or something. <laughs> stay till like six a.m. I tell my mum I was like at my mate's house. We were just like <laughs> raving till like six a.m. Quickly sprinting over to the house yeah, to, yeah, to make sure you leave. Like, and then like the police would come at the end and say everyone has to leave. We'd all leave, and then in the morning to get the first train back. Right. And just that feeling, right? It was always the same feeling I was chasing. Seminal feelings, mate. Isn't exactly, it? Seminal yeah. Moments, like yeah. the metal shows, it was the energy. The rave scene was just like the fun and adventure of it, mm. and like just getting mashed up. <laughs> like when you're that age, obviously, I was only like 16, 17. I couldn't really go to clubs. And then that time, me and my friends, we'd like MC when we were mm-hmm. hanging out. We'd just be hanging out. I don't know just what teenagers do and we started like rapping so we were like we could do that like yeah that's just rhyming like <laughs> so we did that for a bit and then I went to college and I was, I was, I was making like hip hop beats and like little raps there but I so mean, like US hip hop sounding beats like kind of I was really into like super More early like odd, road rap sort of stuff well no because I was really into like early odd future like Earl's oh first okay yeah yeah, and yeah stuff yeah. like that and I really liked that kind of like nonsense rap where they're just mm. like saying mad double entendres but really like they don't Tyler Crater really just getting himself in trouble every yeah, song he puts out yeah. yeah exactly so yeah that's how I got into like rapping really and then and then it just kind of snowballed like, mm. I went to uni met some other people made them all start rapping so the <laughs> other cowboys so Kuba we met him a bit later but he was already rapping but Leo and Ben they just like they'd never done it and I was like oh yeah. wow and then I was just like just do it it's easy like you just write lines that rhyme <laughs> with each other like you can figure it out you're smart guys and then that's and then we were just making hip hop for like three years at uni and then after you need the garage scene happened, we just wow. jumped in. That's a that's a journey. Do you still listen to some of the? Because I still listen to some of the post hardcore stuff. Now I've listened to a lot of mainly dance, Gavin dance, and people like that who have kind of carried the post hardcore scene since it kind of tailed off. Yeah. In like the late twenty tens. <clears throat> But do you still listen to that stuff now? Do you still take yeah, inspiration from it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I wouldn't say necessarily. It doesn't inspire my music that I make with Cowboys, but like. I listen to it all the time, yeah. yeah, like, so I've missed out a big part of it. I was actually in a band when I was 13. Oh, sick. With two of my friends, and we played, like, one show. <laughs> like, I basically couldn't play the song on guitar, but luckily our other guitarist, uh, my good friend Arridge, he was, like, a 13-year-old guitar, like, prodigy. He was this unbelievable <laughs> guitar. Wasn't just playing so, guitar hero, Yeah, right? yeah, like, he was <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. So he kind of carried it. We played, like, a cover of Seek and Destroy by Metallica. Oh, wow. Ten Ton Hammer by Machine Head. And then we just played Seek and Destroy again because we don't have any more songs. Yeah. You should have just told him to play Fall of Troy FCP remix. Yeah, yeah, That was, like, yeah. the hardest song yeah. guitar hero. <laughs> yeah. The music doesn't influence the music, but... It's a good time is. capsule when you go back to listen to those yeah, albums. For yeah, for sure. Sick, man. Big nostalgic trip. I was slightly jealous of you as a Bournemouth uni head yeah. because I went to Sussex. You actually had a sand beach. Yeah, I had a pebble yeah. beach. Might as well not have had a beach. Yeah, the beach was the motive. Like, what should we do? Go to the beach. Yeah, yeah. mate, honestly. I, we, we used to kind of say that, but it's like it's sitting, on, sitting on pebbles. Yeah, yeah. It's not really the same. You have to get a towel. You have to get... Oh, it was long. Yeah. It was long. But I, I always heard really good things about Bournemouth club scene when I was in, when I was in Brighton. Yeah. But you kind of had a bit of a mixed opinion on it definitely so so i think there were gems in the scene like you could find these like there was a pub called i think it's called the winchester so was, a club called cameo do i remember yeah that? so yeah. cameo but that is i mean i think there's like a three inch carpet in there so it's just like full of like w, w oh like i mean i in first year i was going out like four times a week Same, yeah all the clubs all, there's a place called old fire station which had good that was like the student club what was, was the good. club that was like a sort of hawaiian 
Hawaiian uh, uh, like I, beach bar. I know, I can see it in my head. My mate always used to rave about it. I think it. it begins with an L, but I can't remember. Something like yeah, yeah, yeah But there's yeah. also another club, Halo, that was in an old church. I heard about Halo as yeah, well. And yeah, and I mean, that was really, I mean, I'm not like a big fan of like tech house, like kind of like very minimal house. Oh, like Michael Bibby sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and then yeah. it just be in there, like, loads of like really jack guys. Parachis. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Girls in Parachis are yeah, always, so, mate. So in the first... Right in the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was everywhere in the country, to yeah. be honest. But for the first year, going out was fun but it quickly became old you're obviously just there mm. you want to do other stuff and then mm. uh, so that's when we like started for our own parties really. and then what were they like considering you were basically yeah. just roped your mates into MCing rather than yeah, rather so that, than, so we, than coming into it naturally we, we'd only be like rapping a bit and kind of just like for a joke like we'd just be saying silly stuff but like we just like DJ we'd because so I didn't live with them but the rest of the cowboys all lived together and they had this like big conservatory so we'd like clear it out get lights and that and I've got, I've got a picture in my head yeah yeah just kind of like kind of a typical student party but just with like slightly more thought gone into it yeah I guess a lot of people get attempted to hotbox it yeah <laughs> yeah know what that means yeah 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 <laughs> let's talk about the Cowboys in depth now so obviously you mentioned I mentioned in the intro that you are fairly I wouldn't say straight down the road garage but that is probably how I would describe it so just tell me and the listeners about the starting of it, I guess, and how you've evolved to where you are now. Sure. We released like a hip-hop tape that has been scrubbed from the internet. And uh, <laughs> we did a, a show in Southampton supporting Dabbler. And after the show, we kind of came off the stage and it went well. Like, people liked it. It was fun. But we were saying, like, lads, we were saying to each other, like, man, this is boring. Like, we're getting bored on the stage because it's slow tempo. Oh, There's really? There's four okay. of us. Yeah. So you spend a lot of time not rapping because you're only doing Oh, you don't look like backup bars. dancers, innit? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so we're like, oh let's figure something else out to do and on the car on the way home i was just like lads like let's just do like mad garage like that's what we listen to when we go out we can do like baseline it's fun to rap over it's quick you can do it in a rave djq taking me back taking me back mc bones wow And, and like four years prior mystic one of the members he had made like a baseline track when baseline had kind of come back called intent to supply so we just pulled that beat out, rapped on it. So it was like it was like a four or five year old beat. We just pulled it out last year, rapped on it, uploaded it, said we're like changing what we're doing, and it just did really well, really mm. fast. And what appealed to you in doing garage versus say what is popping? Well, was popping up until fairly recently before rappers started saying they're not doing it anymore, which is drill. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> drill. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't mind drill. I can listen to. I it. like drill. I think yeah. it is coming to the point where people were like, it is starting to all sound the same a little bit. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And also though, but I think drill requires some uh, some darker stuff. Some darker going stuff. On, yeah. And like, I'm not, I'm not that interested in like crud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, also, I'm like 26. Maybe when I was younger, I would have done it. But at this age, like, like I work with young people, and like lots of them do drill. Of course. And I'm like, lads. Why don't make a nice song? Yeah. Something nice. Like, they're talking about how many this man they've killed. Yeah, I know you haven't killed anyone, lad. So let's just like, move on from that. But yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate drill. I listen to it. Like, it's good if you're exercising and that. But like, I couldn't be doing that. Yeah, so. yeah that's, that's fair enough. Yeah. You described SB to me off air H as corrupt to femme, but a little more serious, but not too serious. Yeah. Unpa- unpack that for me so when we started doing, even when we did our hip hop we never made like serious songs it was never that like like thoughtful mm. it was just not more, conscious rap not yeah. conscious rap not exactly. more technique stuff yeah yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly it was like the exact opposite of that <laughs> and we kind of said we would do the garage you want to do like the same thing the Corrupt FM comparisons have obviously come like ever mm. since the start but we all love Corrupt FM yeah, so yeah, like yeah. I'm happy like, <laughs> like great artists imitate <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 100% have you nominated who's Chabani G out of all of you uh, I suppose yeah I suppose I suppose it's probably one of our mates who just comes along to our shows I don't know <laughs> yeah but yeah so it's just that really like we don't take ourselves too seriously but like we take you take, take the music We seriously. take the craft yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. We put like, time and be. effort into yeah. it. Exactly. Time and effort into performances, the music, going studio, like being on it. But mm. overall, mm. having a good time. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's important to be self-aware, especially in Garage, because I think one of the reasons why it maybe went downhill in the early to mid-noughties, and same with kind of Funky House, was that it became sort of cheesy. Yeah, And yeah, people yeah. kind of turned off from it, didn't they? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Like yeah. It just becomes, I don't know, it becomes a... Yeah, like cringy almost. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. Like, I'm trying to avoid that, of course. <laughs> UK Garage, as you said, is, is seen as pretty serious revival in the last five, ten years. You've got people like Jemmy, 
you've got yourselves, you've got producers like Cryptogram in the US, who I'm, I'm a massive fan of, yeah, he's, a, yeah. he's a great guy. Guys I've interviewed like Indigo Eyes, who are kind of bringing a more garage sound, but they've taken influences like people like the 1975's third album, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, How yeah. much inspiration do you take from the wider scene? and Where do you see it going in the next sort of two to three, four years? So, I mean, I feel like the way it is with like, electronic music is the wider scene is everything. Like, mm-hmm. because everything we get, we get from going out, Going to parties and raves, seeing artists, seeing DJs, listening to like radio sets and that. And so the wider scene, that's really, that's all there is mm. in some sense. Like, And so we take our inspiration kind of, we just take it from all of that. And with Kuba coming from Poland, there's like a Polish garage scene. Is there? Yeah, there's like everything, the, every scene we have here, there's like a Polish version of. Bruh. But the Polish garage scene is popping. Our producer who made our Shades on beat, mm-hmm. Mirov, he's a Polish producer. He's actually signed to... Polish Def Jam because they have like a Def Jam over oh, of there. course oh, Def, yeah. Jam, Def Jam is everywhere yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and he's out there doing that so we get quite a lot of influence kind of coming through from that mm. because they're really popping and they're kind of showing us where we could potentially take it here and really for us like when we've spoken about it it's all about like live shows like I listen to Garage on my headphones but really what it is is about going out and, and vibing shelling. and energy yeah. exactly <laughs> shelling exactly exactly so I think we're trying to in the minute we're in talks about like putting a night together oh, a- as like a club night oh, that sick. we wouldn't always necessarily perform at or maybe mm. we'll just DJ at and then build a brand like a roster that. of artists as exactly. well yeah, yeah. and also like we got loads of mates who are just unbelievably talented DJs mm. but don't like play out because mm. I don't know maybe they don't know where or whatever but Tell me more about Kuba because when <laughs> me and my mates came to see you well we saw Young Bane and we saw you guys yeah and this guy came on and I couldn't like the rest of you I could kind of tell your voice and your accent but yeah, yeah. his voice I was like where is his accent like where is it coming and I'm good with accents and yeah. voices as the listeners will know and then I listened to him on record and I was like is he French <laughs> is he what? So but he's because he, his accent is so wild yeah, yeah and the way he spits is so fast so Polish A must be a second language I mean sorry yeah, English yeah, must yeah, be yeah, a yeah. second language so that's even harder for, I imagine Man. to do yeah so he's kind of like a, a mythical guy. So we, <laughs> he sounds like We it, were yeah. in uni and I was living in like a 10-man madhouse. And so there's always people coming and going. Seeing someone new wasn't that surprising. And one day I came downstairs and he was just in our living room, furiously rapping in Polish, <laughs> like really just going in. And I was kind of looking, I was like, who's this, who's this Don? Like, <laughs> whose mate is this? Like, what's going on? And then, so basically, we just knew him. He'd just been brought in by someone else in the house whose right. mate was doing it. And he's a clearly a confident guy. I mean, yeah, yeah. if you know Polish people, you'll know they are confident yeah, people. Yeah, it's true. That's and they true. have no filter. <laughs> yeah, and he and he was working on music. And Leo, who's in Cowboys as well, I was living with, he made a beat for him. Yeah. And so we just started chatting. Then he ended up living with them the next year because another mate of ours dropped out. And so when I met him, his accent was thicker and his English was worse. But even then, not now. Yeah, but even yeah. then, he could rap in English and write like intelligent bars that are like funny, which is yeah, which is mad. His brain yeah. must be so quickly adaptable. Well, yeah, like, I mean, like yeah. sponge light and be able to like, okay, I've been in this environment for so long, but I can immediately start writing lyrics, understanding like idiosyncrasies, exactly, which is hard exactly, as well. It's not, it's not just the language you need to know. It's not just saying the words. Yeah, it's, it's like, like pop culture references, yeah, slang. Yeah. Like, how do you understand which slang term goes with which? And I mean, if I I mean, I went recently to Norway to visit some cousins and like, I mean, Norwegian is one of the hardest languages I've ever tried to learn in my life. So trying to learn slang in a different language would be bonkers to me. Yeah, 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 for sure. But yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a legend. So outside of him and including him, what do each member bring to the group that you value? So, well, Kuba is like a mix and master in Wizard. So he mixes and masters all oh, the Oh, sick. So he saves you money there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well he, yeah. Well, we, money-ish. We, yeah, yeah. We, we sort him out. We love like, yeah. yeah we, but like, he is still, yeah, he does save us money there. And also, we all contribute to like beats as well. Like, we make beats. Other people make us beats. So mm-hmm. there's that. Leo, Lucius, I should say, he does all our paperwork, basically. The admin. The admin. Yeah. He's the business our, like, side of being yeah, nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, like, he's on it with That's that. That's stress, mate. I know that. Yeah, and he does most that. of the social media as well because like he's actually decent at it and we're all terrible at it. Yeah. It's always so, one person who gets yeah, designated. Yeah, always yeah. one, yeah. Mystic, he sorts all our live stuff. Oh, so okay. He'll like, talk to venues and he does like live sound. So you've each like, got your own role. So what's yeah. your role then? Well, like, I like... <laughs> That's why you're here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're media. I, I, you're yeah, PR. I'm, yeah, I'm PR. I do like creative direction. So, you know, like we all wear the matching tracksuits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all me. Okay. If it was up to them, like I don't know what we'd be wearing, but 
I'm all like, uh, yeah, brand, yeah, brand, brand yeah. PR. Yeah yeah, 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 that's what I do. Before we get to live performance, one question I always ask on Behind the Mic, Herman, is about mm. the realities of the music industry mm. or for artists and to show your fans, the listeners, these realities that they will never ever experience. Maybe even your family and friends. Yeah, Just yeah, tell me yeah. about the mental health challenges in this question. So I suppose there's the obvious, there's a lot of highs and lows. Mm-hmm. So every time you do a show, your like endorphins are just like it's like Nuts, it's like man, doing yeah. drugs. Like you literally come <laughs> off the stage and your heart rate is you're up. Wired as yeah, you're wired, yeah, but yeah. not in like a your heart rate's up because you're nervous. Your heart rate's up because you're buzzing. It's mm. like Christmas morning, and then obviously that can only go one way. You can't stay there, mm. of course not. So you, you can crash down. And the other part of that is you have successes, but obviously nothing lasts forever. So you have a song that pops off, and then slowly you see them numbers. You can really, I mean, you can get stuck in. You can attach yourself to it, yeah. Yeah, if you watch them, if you spend too long watching their numbers, you're going to go mad because, like, one day they're down, the next day they're up. Yeah, that's definitely a big part of it. And then being in a group, obviously, like, we have clashes. It's just going to happen. Creative clashes, Creative clashes. (laughs) But then, obviously, that also spills into, like, kind of, like, personal stuff. Because Mm. we're all so close and good mates, we know each other so well, like, we get, like, bitey with each other sometimes. And, like, Mm. I mean, that's fine. And I think it makes us make better music because we're kind of, like, we can be harsh to each other. I'd be like, that's not it. Like, Have you ever gone like, like oh, you've had an argument. Right, let's get in a studio and just smash it out. No, like, no, no, we actually should bars. do that. Yeah. Good just idea. do a clash. Yeah, yeah, do a clash. <laughs> no, none of them would want to clash me. <laughs> 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 but, if you're listening, lads. Yeah, if you're listening, bring it on me. But yeah, so that's definitely the highs and lows. And also like perseverance. Like we've had mm. a good year. We couldn't have imagined it going this well. But like we're all still working nine to fives. Mm. Most really? artists are. People yeah, don't yeah, realize yeah. They are, exactly. Most even are. ones who are top forty charting. Like yeah, definitely. Especially there's four of us. Everything we make is obviously split four ways, and then we got to pay studios and that. So um, I suppose that's part of, like perseverance. That's like part of like and patience res- and resilience, well, and yeah. also doing it for the right reasons. Mm. If we're trying to make money, I wouldn't be doing this. I get a job same, mate. There's no money, mental health. Yeah, 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 yeah. Literally, yeah. <laughs> I say to many people on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about. Live performance. So sure. you've, you've spoken about your first performances, SB. Yeah. What I want to do ask you about is mistakes because mm. I always like to talk about this in regards to what we can learn from them. Yeah. So sure. is there any mistakes that you've made or one particular story that stands out that you can share with the listeners and, and what did you learn from it? I think the truth it is, and I don't. They speak, happen all the time. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, speak. To, ones, yeah. I don't speak to enough artists to know if this is across the board. But I don't think we've ever done a show without multiple mistakes all throughout it. Like our <laughs> or D- sound check. Yeah, like <laughs> sound check. Check. the yeah. DJ will play the wrong beat. But like, then I ask people after something like, oh, did you notice that? They're like, nah. Nah, most people don't, They mate. don't. And even if they do, who cares? Like, you style it out and you're yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. And also like mistakes, I don't know. It makes it authentic. It's funny. Like, mm. you don't want a, such a polished show. It's like a Disney performance. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. like, even especially what we're doing. Like, when we did a show over at Luna Live in uh, Leightonstone. Yeah. We're in the basement. My ends, there. mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we're in the basement and uh, we can't hear ourselves. Sweatbox, mate. Sweatbox. We're, we're in the crowd. So mm. we're like shouting in the mic, sweating. And so we're missing bars, lines. Mm. But that's why it's good. Mm. Because it's sweating. You're in the moment. Because yeah, you're in yeah, the yeah, moment. Yeah. So like a mistake, it's, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and conversely then, what's been the best show you've ever done for your mental health? I mean, when you saw us at Scala... Because that's our first time we played out in a proper sound system. Mm. It's, a, it's a sick it's, sound, it's a system, sick sound system. Like yeah. normally we do smaller venues with like a PA system, maybe <laughs> a sub, and like it's just not the same, especially for our kind of music. So that was great. But then our first, our first show, we actually did another show at Luna last summer, and that was our first show we did as Cowboys. And there was just something in the air. It's just a special show, just because... Probably sweated half a pint as well. Yeah, you? yeah. The Luna that... Lounge basement is not big. <laughs> yeah, but that, and we only had like five songs, but we put a night together, we were like, oh, we'll just make it work. Like, yeah, yeah. We just play songs in between the yeah, songs yeah, yeah. and just yeah, sell yeah, over it. Yeah, that was definitely a special show. What does the stage provide for you in your mental health? Um, I'm always like nervous before I do it, but as soon as I start, I'm no longer nervous. I feel really like strong and not kind of like in like an arrogant way it's not like I feel like I'm like at peace yeah exactly yeah. like I almost feel like calm there because it makes sense mm. I feel like that makes sense to me like I'm on the stage I've practiced this I know what I'm doing I know what the crowd want nine times out of ten hopefully and so I find that I love it I feel really calm once I'm at before I've got sweaty hands I'm doing an <laughs> M&M in the toilet <laughs> but uh, once I'm out there that's really I feel my brain is quiet, mm. like just in the moment. Yeah. And which outlet out of rapping, songwriting, 
or playing instruments has yeah. the biggest impact on your mental health? Uh, well, I'd probably say it's like the studio time that I love because basically I'm just spending loads of hours with my best mates making something. And so, like, like with the like I'm saying, because it's not that. There's a legacy angle to that. Yeah, 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 and because, like I said, the lyrics aren't that serious. So, like, writing them is fun, but mm. that's about the depth of it. It's mm. a good laugh. It's more the time we spend together. Like, even when we're doing it, we're saying, like, even like if it don't go nowhere, or whatever. I'm not gonna look back and think, oh, I wish I didn't spend all that time with my best mates mm. doing something fun. It's not like, wasted, is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm the same, but everyone we waste a lot of time. That's really good for my mental health mm. to feel like I'm building something, mm. whatever that might be. And we're going to talk about it later, but when it comes to purpose as well, is that giving you sort of an additional purpose, like I've said, Ben has with my life? Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Like finding something you like to do that's creative and just giving it what you've got. Like you don't have to make it your whole existence. You don't have to kind of sweat and bleed for it necessarily. Mm. You can if you want, but you don't have to. <laughs> but just making something in like, I don't know, modern life. So important as men, isn't it, to have that? Yeah, yeah. there's not many opportunities to create, especially in jobs or whatever. Like maybe you have like a creative job. But ultimately, if you didn't have to do it, you probably wouldn't. Mm. You'd probably do something else. And so that feeling of doing that and then combining that with doing it with your mates. And obviously, it's like, it is massively hilarious going to the studio, people messing up, cracking up because we can hear them. They can't hear us in the booth. Whatever. You know, like, so it is a massively fun thing to do as well. Before we talk about industry <clears throat> issues, you mm. are the first MC. Mm. I've been, you're an artist as well, but you're an yeah, MC yeah, yeah. as well. I've interviewed on the podcast. So give my listeners an insight into your creative process to writing bars what headspace do you have to be in how do you go about it sure so i have this like belief and this is only for me is if i can write one good bar i can write a good verse it's all about getting that first bar down like once i got that down like we have a song coming out soon called arigato and i just was walking along and i was trying to write to this beat i had it in my headphones and i just thought of the line walking the party arigato and i was like yeah I was like, yeah, this is going to be a good verse. And like, it went for there. And for me, it's just, I just have to find that one thing. And normally it comes from like, someone might say something and I'll be like, that's a bar and that. Mm. Like, you just have to dig it out. Like, mm. can't think of an example, but yeah, like someone will say something, I'm like, there's definitely something in there. Like, mm. or I think of like one rhyme, like our song, Belly. The opening line is like, she said she wants the glitz and the glamour. I said, you ever had a spliff of a scammer? And like, and I straight away, I was just like, when I thought of the glitz and the glamour, I was like, something's got to rhyme with that. So for me, mm. it's just about the language, I think. So your mind is almost like a pebble skipping along a lake. Exactly, And every time exactly. it hits something, your brain goes, oh, that's a trigger. And, that, like, and then, and then I see it, it, I can do it. But sometimes I'll, like, we'll send beats to each other, like, right to this, we're going to use this one, whatever. And like, I'll have nothing for, like, weeks. And we'll go, we do, like, writing sessions where we come together and that's where we tell each other if we think our bars are rubbish. But, <laughs> like... But I'll get to them and they'll be like, have you got anything? I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to write it now. Like, I just have to like pull it out because I just... It's like school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Homework yeah. Monday yeah, morning. Yeah, can the, we copy your homework, please? Back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's like that. Yeah, I try I try not to put too much pressure on it either. Like I'm only writing like bars about partying. Like, I'm not I'm not Shakespeare. I'll write what I write. And then I normally in the studio as well, I'll change bits as I'm recording it. Let's come to music industry issues now. So you've talked a little bit about some of them already. The main one you want to discuss, mate, is work-life balance. So the angle that we're coming from it with this is the music industry doesn't always seem to understand this for artists whose life is not music all the time, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So my experience of like the industry is somewhat limited. We now are somewhat involved with various people. But what I found is, as someone who's not that involved in the industry, but just starting to now with the boys, of course, is that it's very hard to balance everything you want to do. They want to set up a meeting, you got to go to your job, you got to pay your rent, but also music might make you money eventually, so you don't want to like not do it, you want to talk to the right people, want to get the good deals, all this stuff, but then you're also balancing, yeah, your actual life. Because I kind of find, especially as I'm, if I was 17 or 18, but I'm 26 now, i got to balance my future in some respect like I'm not someone I'm not living in the not like living waiting for the future I am living now mm. but I'm at the age where you know I've got friends who've got kids mm. who are getting married and I'm making garage music which is all good I enjoy it <laughs> but like at some point I want to maybe buy a house so yeah, so, yeah and I'm not sure necessarily if the industry always understands that balance really and I suppose that is broad and we have met lots of people who are lovely and really supportive and helpful and often they'll say as you pointed out, like, you know, lots of people have jobs and do music. True. Most. Yeah, most. 90% of artists. Yeah, it's yeah. true. They've they got, they got to pay the rent, have constant money. But, like, 
they say that, but then they're like, so let's set up a meeting on Tuesday. What, what do you think I'm doing on Tuesday? Do you think I just had the, I just had a day off. It's just going to be lounging around in my pants. But, um, but yeah, so I suppose that can be frustrating, really, because you want to do it. You mm. don't want to say no, of course. You don't want to mm. burn a bridge. And then when you do meet them, they're lovely. Like, mm. Do you think there's a sort of a misunderstanding or just a lack of education about people who are in the industry full-time dealing mm. with people who aren't in the industry full-time, but maybe they think they are? Yeah, perhaps, know. perhaps. Like, that could definitely be the case. And also, I think, though, I suppose that's their job, right? Mm. That is what they do for their job. So I suppose that is really, their, that's how they're going to operate. Yes. Because I do, like, empathise. It does make sense. Because that's how we would do it if we were of doing it. Of course, well, I'm at work. If yeah. I have a meeting, I don't set it up for... Oh, yeah, Saturday, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I suppose there is that as well. But yeah, but something I've, I have found, and obviously this is unique to me, like, people have different experiences, is that when I was coming into it, a few people I knew who'd done some industry stuff before or had some success, they'd kind of say, like, you know, watch out, people are going to get you, do, do, all of this. I've heard some, I've had some horror stories on here, mate. Of course, yeah. of course. But then, from what I've found, is as long as you know what you want and you go into, like, a meeting, knowing where your line is... And line, your self-worth. And your yeah, self-worth, yeah. but knowing where you, like what you won't cross. So you say, I'm not going to give you this much of equity out of... Mm. the brand or whatever or grossing or gross, ex- single or whatever exactly. or, your, or your master's away yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, the, your full name 360 deal so <laughs> yeah. as long as you know that then there's an understanding we've had all positive interactions with some really like lovely people who've gone out of their way to help us mm. there is that side of it where like I've really like feel lucky to have met some of these people and to have that experience so there is obviously two sides to it. before we reflect on your music journey mate when it comes to other artists in the scene, collaborations, have you thought about that? Are you, is yeah. that in the works? We're constantly looking for Because it's four of you, so it's one of you could just jump on someone else's tune. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we recently done, we're recently working on, we're doing our first feature on someone else's tune, which is fun. Mm-hmm. It's a good tune. We're also always looking for beats. Like, we're constantly putting out on our story, like, send us beats. Recently, we've been in the studio with two, like, super, super talented singers. Aphrodite is so lively, who played at our last show. Mm-hmm. And another girl who we met, whose name is Mahalo, I think. They're two songs coming soon, massively talented. We love collaborating, but only we found... With the people, right people. The right people. We, and like when I say that, it's normally not about their talent. It's about... Personalities. Much, personalities. Yeah. Mm. I want to have a good time. I don't want the studio to be like, a tense space. Mm. We're going to make terrible tunes. Like, mm. Let's have a good time of it. Yeah, I mean, it's like why I, who I ask on the pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the people who normally come on this are people who are nice people because why would they come on a mental health podcast yeah. otherwise <laughs> yeah, come on, like, I'm not I'm not <laughs> at the stage where it's like influencers DMing me coming let me let me tell my mental health story and mental health awareness week yeah like, yeah I'm not yeah. at that stage yet I will yeah. be telling them no yeah, so, yeah 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 let's reflect then mate on your mental sure. on your music journey sorry going along this journey music Bournemouth Sacra Boys what has it taught you about yourself it's taught me that like if you want to do something just start doing it even if it's terrible like that, I suppose that really only relates to like creativity, not like relationships. You don't want a terrible relationship, <laughs> but like, but yeah, if you want to like make something, whether that's like you want to get into filmmaking or whatever that is, even want to do a podcast, you just got to start. And the first ones will be bad. The first year might be bad. The first three years might be bad. <laughs> In our case, the first five years might be bad. But like, if you want to do it and you're having fun doing it, just start. But I can now apply that to other areas of my life. If I'm at home, my flat's a bit of a mess. I think, well, I just got to start. You know, I start starting putting things away. You know, like, mm. and just about that, taking them steps. And when you do that, life becomes so much calmer, I feel. Because you don't have that niggling anxiety in the back of your head telling you, like, why are you not doing anything? Get up. Like, like revision before an exam. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Like, when I've had it, uh, use the word, like, paralysed, where they want to do loads of things, but there's so many things that they become paralysed and they do just none do nothing. of it. Yeah. Where I'm like, well, you just got to start. Coming back to corrupt FM, yeah, people yeah. just do nothing. People just do nothing, <laughs> exactly, yeah. But yeah, you just got, I found like just doing it. But also the other side of that is you don't have to do something to be successful at it. You can do it because you love to do it. Even if you want to be a writer, you write a book. It doesn't even come off your laptop. It's still a book. You've still written a book. You've still done that. And like, and I think that that's where like the real value in it lies. We talked all about your music journey, the Sacral Boys. Let's go behind the mic and talk about your mental health journey, Herman. So yeah. I ask all my special guests this question first as well. Take me back to early life in High Wycombe, teenage years. And looking back, were there any early mental health experiences you can pinpoint? Who's the Herman we meet here? 
Well, you're definitely meeting the most mentally sound and complete Herman here today. I feel like I really struggled in my like teenage years with like my identity. Like I really like didn't know who I wanted to be. I had friends from lots of different backgrounds, like socioeconomic backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, and that left me kind of feeling a bit like, now thinking back, I should have taken all of that in, but instead I just couldn't find my place in it. Instead of just like embracing it all, I suppose I felt like I was outside of it, looking in kind of, because I, like, I had like incredibly wealthy friends, but I grew up working class, but I also had friends that were on like the poverty line. Mm. And so, you know, it's kind of so like... being torn between two different worlds. Exactly, or maybe three and, different worlds. and like an inner conflict. And I suppose that was the start of when I started feeling like my first experience to say like negative mental health mm-hmm. was that feeling of very like, it kind of made me like full of rage. Maybe that's why I was in so much metal as well. Mm. I, I was feeling that way as well. Like, mm. I was fuming all the time. Teenage angst is a good vehicle yeah, for it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And, and like, I don't know, I could be like cruel to people around me. Like, I don't know, like... Like, irritable, or...? Yeah, like, yeah, irritable. Maybe, because, like, I don't know, like, not in, like, a weird brain way. Like, I'm, like, a smart guy, like... And if someone's, like, not, like, I'd say things to them, and then I'd, like, kind of mock them. Just being mean, really, because I felt bad about myself. And so I... You're projecting I'd, out. I'd project out, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And then... And that was kind of my teenage years. And as I went off to uni, that kind of came to a head, really, because I was, like, partying a lot. And that obviously is negative for your mental health. Doesn't matter what anyone says, it is. Like, you find out eventually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually it will get you. Like, you <laughs> yeah. can be having a good time. You, you, and you, you won't, and then it does. Yeah, yeah, and then it does, exactly. And that was just causing me to be like nasty to people around me. Like people I cared about, I still care about. I'd be nasty to them. And and I think only in the last few years I realised that I was always like, I don't know why I was like that, but it's because I had poor mental health. And I think a lot of men, especially they don't recognise their poor mental health because it doesn't come out in like, they're not crying, they're not depressed, Mm. or maybe they're not even anxious, they're angry all the time. Lots of men, and you especially see of older men who maybe had to suppress that when they were younger, Mm. they literally live in a constant state of anger. And it is exhausting. Mm. You can't be angry all the time. It is exhausting. Your heart rate is always up. You're always ready for an argument. One bit of banner and it's a a tear up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Suddenly you're literally physically hitting someone in the head. Like, mm. as a grown man, what are you doing hitting anyone in the head? Like, mm. And I really think, I feel like anger is something that lots of men refuse to accept. It's something they have to work on and refuse to address the root of it. Own your shit. My yeah. Biggest mantras on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Own it. And like, and it's all right to be angry. Anger's good. Anger's natural. It's something happens. Mm. It's not good to be angry. You have to when learn that... how to turn the tap on and off. Yeah. yeah. But even when you turn it on, you have to be in control of it. Yes. You can't control. Just, you mm. can't just let your rage out. And especially often people will let it out who don't deserve it. Their partners, their kids, their friends, you know, like... Their boss. Their boss, yeah. Well, you might deserve it, but, you know, yeah, that can yeah, end up yeah. getting yourself sacked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, and also I think in that time, I thought I was in the right a lot. But I'm, like, looking back, I just wasn't. Even if I was in the right in some sense, my reaction was too big. And then I was in the wrong. Hmm. So I think there's a big thing in, like, when you have some negative mental health, and especially I had that in them, them ages... You're also mixing that with the belligerence where you really do believe you're in the right most of the you time. You think you know everything. And even when you yeah. know you're wrong, you basically refuse to admit it exactly. and carry you on. You don't lose face. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so that was a bit of a toxic combination, really. Mm. And after I was finishing uni, towards the end of uni, I basically like confronted that in myself. How did that moment come about? I just was like, I, it was kind of, I suppose, I say it happened all at once, but it was slowly building. I was building towards that because it's just not a way to live. And then I eventually just told myself, like, no, like that's just not going to happen anymore. And mm. like, I was, like, trying to hold myself fully accountable. And, of course, it did happen again a few times. Mm. But just hold myself fully accountable. No, yeah, I know I did this, but you did this. None of that. None deflecting. No deflecting. Yeah. doesn't matter what anyone did. I can only control what I can do. Mm. And so I just got to fully own that. And, again, like, it's okay to be annoyed or upset at someone or a situation, but about scale and scaling that down. Yeah. So as I've got older... I've just become more and more in control of that, yeah. I think. More authentic as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it makes me happier. Therefore, I'm happier people around me. So I have less things to argue about anyway. Because if you're in a bad mood and someone else is a bad mood, you're going to have a fight. It doesn't yeah. matter what it's about. And also, I think when it comes to self... I always describe self-acceptance as like a suit of armour. So even when people are coming at you... yeah. If you respond back with like just love or just even like you're not bothered... Yeah, indifference. Just, yeah, indifference, yeah. Happens yeah, to me yeah. all the time. People like lash out at me. I'm like, and before I would get really anxious about it. But like, oh, 
you know, I'd get all into my head about it. And now I'm cool. just like, cool, that's your, that's on you, bro. That's not yeah. on me. Yeah, for sure. And like, kind of, you almost want to kind of say like, I hope you're all right, mate. Yeah, like, yeah, genuinely. Like, that's what like, I do most yeah. of the time. Like, hope you're right, mate. Yeah, yeah it sounds like you're really going for I'll it. I'll leave right you to now. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and the, the people get frustrated that you're not reacting yeah, yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, you're right. Yeah, it's like a suit of armor. But um, yeah, so the Herman that's here today is definitely the soundest mm. mentally. I was just out of slips. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we obviously share quite a lot of commonalities in, in how much we partied during uni. A lot of what I did, and I don't regret any of it, but what ended up happening with me is that a lot of my partying ended up being almost like a crutch. Mm. and a lot of it ended up being at the worst kind of self-harm which was like overeating and just like bad diet and yeah did you feel at any point that it was self-harm or was it just you just being out of control was it escapism um yeah i don't think it was even necessarily related in terms of i did it because i love having fun and partying and sure so did i but yeah. yeah yeah but i think mine was kind of the opposite so i had problems because i was partying because right of, so mine was like the opposite, really. Okay. Like, so I would like I'd never drink because I was sad. I don't really have like an addictive personality. I don't. Mm. So like I what I would my thing is if I'm feeling depressed or something, I just don't do anything because I'm in my head. Mm. I'm telling myself like like I was saying earlier about just starting stuff, but like, I also suffer from that getting mm. paralysed. Like mm. I'm feeling down. I'm not doing anything, and so yeah, that's how I kind of mistreat myself. To put it that way, like. Mm. I don't give myself the chance to live a good life always because I'm feeling... That's right. how I like punish myself almost. Yes, yes, I got you. Yeah, yeah. I, I was more... If I was in a down period when I went out, I would go more hard. To, but to I'd get also, yeah, up. but I almost wouldn't realise I was going more hard. Yeah, And then yeah. at the end of the night, I'd be fucking crying in the back of the cab and I'd be like, well, because you're in a height... You know, alcohol is a depressant, but also heightens every emotion. Yeah, so if you were sure. sad, it's going to make you yeah. more close to the edge yeah, if you yeah, have a deep yeah. conversation with someone. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You're now in your mid-20s. Mm. So who's the Herman we meet at this point? So now, I think I'm just quite... I don't know. I still have my stuff, as we all do. Mm-hmm. I try not to worry about stuff too much. I feel like, growing up, I was quite worried. Like, the school I went to wasn't very nice. It was pretty, like, rough. And I think that led me to, like, have a bit of a fight or flight. Yeah. I was always a bit on edge. And I think I really carried that from, like... It's a survival mechanism, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I think I really didn't let that go until even, like, the last, like, two years. And obviously, it wasn't always the same. It went down. But I finally, like, let it go, I think, yeah, about it's two years It's a protector. I used to have it. Yeah, 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 definitely. And, like... When did you let him go? I, I think when I was properly moved up to London, I kind of just, like, resolved to, like, live a better life. I do think there's, like, power in in like speaking things to existence and not things like money because like that's not how that works but like <laughs> I think I think things like how you want to live like I was like well I, I don't want to be angry anymore I don't want to be scared anymore and I really did like think that out loud in my head I'd even say it out loud like relax everything's fine and eventually you just teach yourself new behaviour patterns because like humans are like massively complex in some ways but in other ways relatively simple beings like if you want to relax, if you literally keep telling yourself to relax, you probably will. You know, if you take deep breaths, oxygenate your blood, all that stuff. So now I just have the mechanisms in place, I guess. Mm. We're going to move on now to the main part of your mental health journey we're going to discuss, sure. which was the death of your best friend in 2022, who yeah. sadly took his own life. So first of all, before we talk about the grief, just tell me about how you both met, your friendship and the person he was. Yeah, so we met like the first day of year seven, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, we just hit it off straight away. He's actually the person who got me into, like, metal. He was the drummer in the band. It was his house. We used to do all the band practice at. Like, his... His uh, poor mum, who was yeah, yeah. with all of that. Well, so his older brother, who, like, I'm still good friends with, uh, obviously, he was in bands. And so that kind of, like, pulled us through. Right. Like, we were basically just copying them. <laughs> they were, like, the older boys. They were cool. We were like, yeah, let's just do what they're doing. And, yeah, and so we were friends all through school. And then when it came to go to college, I was going to do A-levels. And he was like, man, come to college, two and a half days a week, music tech, like, that's easy, like, it's just computers and that. I was like, two and a half days a week, say less. Like, I'm coming, like, don't have to wear this stupid uniform and, like, do A-levels. I'm glad I went, we had a good time, but that was mistaken. <laughs> I, narrowed, I narrowed my career like that, at, like, the age of, like, 15, but... Uh... But, yeah, so we went to college together, and then after college, I went off to uni, and he, ironically, stayed at college to do a science science course because he realised what are you doing you told me to do all this music tech so um, 
Yeah, and then he ended up actually going to Bournemouth. When I left Bournemouth, he went to Bournemouth. Oh, wow. Do you think he was following you a little bit? Well, so he did come to visit me when he was looking at unis and I was telling him, like, yeah, I like it here, that's got the beach and stuff. So I don't know. I think he went down with his brother. He has a younger brother as well, who I'm close with as well, and they went together. So, yeah, I don't know if he's following me. I think it's a bit of a coincidence. Also, mm. he'd been there, so mm. he knew he'd like it. Okay. Yeah. Before he died, you mm. said that you weren't aware of any red flags that he had or was possibly showing. However, afterwards, you discovered that he did have some mental health difficulties that he was keeping secret. Maybe not, maybe from his family, I don't know, but, but yeah. definitely secret from from you and maybe a social circle. Yeah. How did that affect you initially? Because I think when it comes to suicide, a lot of people feel guilt when someone in their life takes their own life and they feel like, what could I have done? So well, did that I, affect you when you found that it out? It did. And to be honest, I didn't feel guilty when I found out. I felt really angry for like a good few months like mm. I didn't want to talk about it like mm. I was just fuming like and not at him as a person just at the world kind of mm. like you know what like, I mean why like, has this happened exactly yeah, yeah. like just it's kind of like I don't know yeah it's just an overarching anger and then that slowly I mean it's the stages of grief right there are like I definitely they went through them pretty you went through the traditional ones yeah. more or less yeah, like, yeah. obviously not just like this but more <laughs> not like in a line but more or less and and I don't know looking back there was yeah like red flags that appeared but in some ways, if you look to red flags, maybe everyone has them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, not you look everyone, too hard, but... you'll start seeing them when they are Exactly, because yeah. everyone is a three-dimensional person mm. with problems and issues that are difficult. That just exists throughout humanity. And so, yeah, I don't know. Guilt is not is not something I really like. I mean, maybe a bit, like bits of that, but not overarching okay. guilt. No. Yeah. So there was never that moment, and a lot of people come on this pod sometimes and they'll say, oh, this person said, can you come for a pint or something and I turned it down and I felt this massive guilt because I think, oh, what if... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there wasn't like, there wasn't no, anything no. like that. And I'm, I don't know, I like to think I'm a bit of like a realist and I understand that like, if someone wants to do something and they're an adult, they probably will. I don't think it's helpful to look at something like suicide as something that's ultimately always preventable. Mm. If someone wants to do it, they can. The mechanics of it are not difficult. The mental side of it must be torture, I can't imagine. Mm. But the mechanics of the actual act are not rocket science. We're mm. only human. We're mm. only flesh. I don't think anyone should ever put it on themselves. Unless someone rings them up and says, like, if you don't come here now, I'm jumping off this mm. building. Mm. And you say, no, nah, I'm busy. Yeah. Maybe then it's your fault, I guess. Yeah. But, like, I don't think there's any power in holding mm. guilt. Another thing, obviously, which suicide affects is the entire community. Of so course. how did you see it affect not just his family, but your friends and your family and yeah, the I general area of High Wycombe, I guess? Yeah, so I guess so. he was my only friend from school that I carried on being friends with after school. Like, I had mates at school, but just like Acquaintances. Exactly. Yeah. And like suddenly I had all these people from school were like messaging me and he had like a GoFundMe and loads of people for his funeral and loads of people donating and that. And that was touching because you kind of like, you forget about people, really. And, like, I don't know, people use the expression like NPCs a lot nowadays. Like, <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, I know that person's face. They were in my history class. Yeah. And that's it. Like, the impact on, like, the community, I guess, it was sadness, obviously, but there was, like, a positive income, uh, in, like, impact. At the funeral, for instance, like, obviously, we were all there. And there was this, like, sense of, like, camaraderie and that feeling of, like, well, let's not let this happen again mm. to anyone. And then, like, we all stayed out all night like, drinking and that, like, that's what you do when you're grieving. Well, not everyone, that's what we do when we're grieving. And, like, we were all, like, we're just talking and, like, telling each other stuff we hadn't told each other before. About uh, him as well. About yeah. him, yeah. about us, about how we're feeling, about problems we've had, mm. about, like, making plans to do stuff. Did it feel cathartic? Yeah, definitely. The night was just weird, like, like <laughs> haze. Like, we were lit- always slightly weird, Yeah, like, yeah, no, we were, like, really, I mean, we started drinking at, like, 3pm and we must have been out till 7am, like, Fucking we up. were just, like, pounding. And like, I don't normally drink like that, like, I like going out and getting smashed and that, but it was like going on like a trip. It was like doing ayahuasca in a way. Oh, Jesus. Because like you're so lucid for your emotions mm. and the alcohol is just laying... Emotional every- lubricant, which yeah, alcohol li- is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, And uh, there was loads of us at the pub, massive long table of us, and just this endless flow of like chat. I don't know, yeah, that was like, that was a wonderful thing in the darkness of the moment. Mm. It's been a year since he died, if I'm right in saying. Yeah. So are you now in a place where you can remember all the great times you have or are there still things that trigger you back to that grief? Oh yeah, there's definitely still like painful stuff that like I don't really visit in my head mm-hmm. now. I will, but not now. But yeah, I mean, I thought I felt like that 
more or less straight away. I, straight away, I just only was just remembering fun stuff. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely had that instinct because also like he was like proper like a goofy guy. Like there was kind of only like fun stuff really, right, like, okay. which is obviously the cliche. You know, people mm. say it's the one you least. It's not the one like who's always down. Who's always and, down. Yeah, it's yeah. the one who's always up. Yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah, I've met up with there's like a group of us. We're like a group chat with his like brothers and our mates. And like we meet up on a semi regular basis and just have pints and chat mm. and like not even necessarily just chatting about him, just chat in general, you know, just mm. checking in with each other, making sure everyone's doing good. Like on New Year's, where we all message a group, like how's everyone doing? Like good riddance to last year and all that. <laughs> like I think everything that's come after has been like positive, really. Like obviously, there's like there's a darkness to it, there's like a sadness to it, but but you have to make a choice. Yeah. I think, and I'm not just going to spend the next rest of my life living in profound grief. Mm. I can grieve in my own way, and maybe that the way I'm going to grieve is by like laughing, you know, yeah. laughing about it, like laughing about the damn stuff we used to do. Given the huge potential and you know room for growth that you're definitely going to do, I'm manifesting it here. Yeah. You're definitely going to yeah, do yeah. With, with SB. Is there a part of you? I'm sure there is. That is sad that he's not here to kind of go on that journey with you. Yeah, definitely. Do you think he's watching somewhere? Oh, yeah, right? definitely. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely doing some stupid, stupid shit, drinking some white rum somewhere. But he, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely. Because we did start out our music journey together mm. as well. Because I also make kind of like punk music mm-hmm. on the side as well, but just like on my own. I'd been like talking to him about doing it. Like he plays the drums and that was going to kind of, I was pretending to come up to London and we could like do it together. And obviously that then like stopped. And I've recently revisited that and I am going to carry on doing it. But yeah, there is definitely like a sadness connected to that. Did he get to see uh, you live at least? He saw me live doing my own music, not right. SB, doing okay. this kind of like punky stuff. I actually didn't know he was coming and like he just turned up a bit late in bed, pissed. He was like, hello. I was like, what the fuck? Like, cause he doesn't live in London. I was like, oh, hello. Like, but yeah, so that, there is part of that. And I do, that does cross my mind. But like I'm kind of conscious of the fact that presumably that's just gonna like keep <laughs> keep happening mm. now, and so however I deal with that, I need to, I don't, I don't want to kind of lose my head to it. If you know yeah. what I mean, like yeah. I want to keep myself grounded, really, in reality. And I know that everything's temporary, and that's why I want to make fun garage music. As exactly. Well, like, yeah. Let's reflect on your mental health journey now, mate. So yeah. if your mate was listening to this pod, I'm mm. sure he is somewhere. Yeah. What do you think you would say to him, and what do you think he'd say to you? Um, I think he'd say to me like, "Oh, like that's sick." <laughs> like, oh, that's sick. And he'd probably like, say like, "Do you want to get a crate of beers?" <laughs> and I'd probably say to him, "I'd probably just say like, no, like, I'll see you soon." That's it, really. Simple, simple times. It's funny actually. I feel like you kind of feel you're gonna feel maybe something very profound and eye-opening, but actually, it kind of does the opposite and makes you value the simpler things. I say if someone's like, "Oh," you could spend some time with him. I wouldn't want to like do anything extravagant. I just want like a life bucket list, just go yeah, have a pint just, with him. I just yeah. want to have a cup of tea or something, yeah, yeah. just chat, chat some guests. Just having the presence of him. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then, given what you've been through in this mental health journey, what has it taught you about yourself? Um, it's taught me that I'm quite resilient. I think I would have said before that I wouldn't be able to handle a close friend taking their life. Turns out I can. Because mm-hmm. I actually think everyone is much tougher than they think. When a situation arrives at your doorstep and you have to deal with it, you have no choice. I think most people can step up and do it. And those that can't, can eventually. That I can, I don't really, but maybe I should, like apply it to like my wider life. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I want to do it now, mate. Well, yeah, 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 it's true. No, it's true. <laughs> yeah, like resilience, I think it's, it's a big part of it. Because resilience is, is so important and you can like, it's everything. Without resilience, what do you have? Nothing. Mm. Just like a slug. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, and I speak a lot on this podcast about the difference between resilience and anti-fragility. There's yeah. a book by Nassim Nicholas Tlaib who talks about resilience being when bad things happen to you, you say the same. And if you're anti-fragile, when bad things happen to you or challenges happen to you, you change for the better. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a yeah. tome, so yeah, you yeah. can probably read the first hundred pages and then leave it. But Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's a good book to read. No, no, yeah, definitely. I think, I think you can kind of take in experiences... They become part of you. They become part of your like DNA almost. Mm. And then how you let that affect you is important because mm. I think that is within in your control to some degree. And as a final question, if you could go back and talk to the 18-year-old Herman who was partying a bit too much, not really figuring out what his identity was, feeling yeah. quite angry, 
the 20 year old Herman who was wondering whether to take MCing seriously yeah. or the Herman who had just lost his best friend to suicide what would you say to him knowing what you do now I'd say just take a breath look at what you got like count your blessings like, gratitude I'm, yeah, yeah gratitude I'm massively massively blessed in my life with friends family everything so anything bad that comes my way that's nothing compared to the mountain of gratitude that I have to have for like all the stuff I got so yeah that's what I'd say take a breath our final topic of conversation Herman and it's one I try and have with all of my special guests if we have time it's a general natter and chat about mental health so firstly how is your mental health bro? yeah it's good it's good I can't complain excellent and if you felt comfortable saying what mental health issues or conditions if any do you have and how do they affect you in your day-to-day life i think i've had but i've kind of do it like a generalized anxiety disorder where it's nothing in particular triggers it it's just a general low base level anxiety that's always there but that's uh, not the same anymore and i've definitely suffered with some bouts of depression in my life and that's manifested in different ways and what age were you when you became self-aware of your mental health for the first time and you realised that the feelings you were having weren't physical and they were actually in your mind? About 14, I'd say, 14, 15. And was it a eureka moment or was it a gradual process? I think it was a bit of a panic, to be honest. I mean, it was a big <laughs> panic. I was like, oh my God, my brain is more powerful than I thought. Yeah. I'm no longer running on auto mode. Like. <laughs> <laughs> what things do you find in life that trigger your mental health? So it could be things people say to you, a sound, a sensation, being in a particular social environment, or have you not figured all of them out yet? Certain social environments, certain crowds of people that I've had negative experiences with. Or like shortage crowds? or <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty bang on to be honest. But yeah, just uh, yeah, different groups of people. Sometimes like hyper-masculine environments okay. can trigger like a bit of an anxiety response for me because mm-hmm. Not that masculine. <laughs> or does it take you back a little bit to school and that sort of fight or flight? Yeah, stuff? maybe. And like, I just don't, I don't, I feel like I don't know how to engage with it. It's very mm. like foreign to me. Mm. Like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, sometimes I think about that. If I was, if I'm ever on like a train, like a gang of utes, just get yeah. on. I'm like, oh, can I be bothered to deal with these people? Yeah. Because they're all just showing off to each other, really, aren't they? That's, well, yeah, that's like, I don't... if you call it out, you're just going to end up in a tear up. If you yeah, say, stop, exactly. lad, stop showing off. They're just going to be like, right, let's have a fucking scrap. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Can you tell me about the first conversation you ever had with someone about your mental health? So, who was it with? What did you say? And on the one hand, did it feel like a big moment or burden or weight even lift off your shoulders? On the other, something quite easy, insignificant, and normal to do. Um, I think it's probably my mum. I've always been able to talk to her. I didn't when I was a teenager because teenagers don't. She was, but, at the, she was at the Young Bay gig. Yeah, yeah, she was. <laughs> Legends, yeah. Shout out Lorraine. But she, uh, um, yeah, probably with her. I think it was when I was probably at college time. I like. Just said I was feeling bad and feeling a bit down and stuff mm-hmm. and yeah and like it didn't I said it didn't feel that significant really because it didn't really change much I mean she tried to help me but I was not in the place to be helped which mm-hmm. some people aren't like. mm-hmm. and conversely then what positive tools and methods do you use in your life to improve your mental health or help you feel better which ones have worked maybe which ones that you've tried but haven't so breath work works for me even if I'm sitting watching TV I get a wave of anxiety take a deep breath fill my lungs take a second, like centre myself, and I feel sweet. The other one for me is just, I'm just big on gratitude, like, like in everything I do, like I tell people, like I'm grateful, literally say it out loud, not just in my head, like literally tell people, like I'm grateful for you, like, even if we're just getting a burger at McDonald's, like, mm. and I feel like that's like a superpower for me at least, like it really feels that way, like it's very like transformative. Motion intelligence is my superpower. Yeah. Sometimes it, I've had to learn how to turn it on and off because I was getting to a point where I was accidentally opening people up on nights out when I was yeah. telling me their life <laughs> stories and yeah. two questions. Like, wait a minute, I'm meant to be having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, sorry mate, I've just, you've just told me your entire life story and I've only asked you two questions. Yeah, yeah. What has been the best book, or as I call it, mental health bible you've read for your mental health? Now it can be mental health or self-help related, doesn't exclusively have to be. And if you can't think of a book, TV show, podcast, any piece of popular culture. Ironically, the book the, the Stranger or The Outsider was this French translation by Albert Camus. So it's like a basically a book about existentialism. And like it's not a very happy book. It doesn't make you feel very good when you read it. But on reflection, it does let me know that nothing really matters. And like some people take Positive that... Positive nihilism. Well, yeah, I had yeah, this topic of it on yeah, the podcast. So some yeah. people look at that like, oh, nothing matters. So I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to lie down in the ditch of life and mm. die. But I look at it like, nothing matters. 
let's go like, yeah, nothing yeah, matters yeah, yeah. do whatever we want yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, I had a guest called Anton who runs a, like a conflict journalism platform and he talked about positive nihilism in the sense that you are just an insignificant speck mm. in the universe therefore what am I worrying about yeah. this little thing it doesn't mean anything yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. works so, oh, I haven't sent that email like oh well <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you had a mantra in life that summed up your mental health what would it be and why well that's a good question if I had a mantra like a quote yeah. or a saying yeah. or a phrase um say la vie okay like wherever will be will be and um yeah I think so okay that's kind of the same as the positive nihilism positive nihilism yeah positive I'm nihilism. feeling depressed yeah, yeah. I probably won't feel depressed forever I feel better <laughs> soon <laughs> do my breath work and as a final question, mate, this is a broad one. What more do you think we have to do to ensure men from all backgrounds, all walks of life feel comfortable and safe in opening up about the men's health issues or just their general mental health if, most importantly, they want to do it? Yeah. I think a good way if you think someone in your circle, like a man is struggling, is tell them about like your problems. Because often if someone is not the kind of person to share, if you share with them, they'll often respond in kind. Often it's rare to share with someone and they reply like, oh yeah. (laughs) They normally come back with something and sometimes I find that can be a good way. I think validating people's feelings is important. Number one tool in mental health first aid, validating. Yeah, like even if they're feeling like really weird and you think, God, you're being weird, Mm. don't tell them that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like talk people down. I think community is massively important. There's a lot of lonely people out there. 100%. Like like I meet people and I'm like, basically it comes up, they're like, I've not got any friends. What do you mean, how many friends are? Just, I have friends, but we don't see each other. Mm. You know, lots of lonely people. And I think humans cannot live as individuals like that. Like, we used to live in like huts with like 50 people. Mm. Now we're in a city of 8 million, mm. and people are lonelier than ever. Mm. I mean, I'm not religious, yeah. but a lot of decline in religion could probably be attested to a lot of increasing in loneliness, right? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. And I think community, making the effort, seeing people when you can't really be asked, you really want to stay at home, but you said you'd see them, go see them. How long is it going to take? Mm. Doesn't matter. And I think with men as well, sometimes it's important to tell men, like, tell men, that's a very general, but like, I've had friends who've been, say, like, really annoyed at their girlfriends. Like, you can validate their feelings, but also say, like, maybe she didn't actually do anything wrong, you're being out of order. And sometimes I think that actually helps them. Yes. Because it helps them climb down from this. The hard truth. The hard truth. Mm, men need that, mate. I think so. Cause I like, think that's what we do best as well. Like, obviously, stereotypically speaking, yeah, but I think yeah. men are good at airing out conflicts, yeah. sometimes better than women. Well, yeah, well, I've had friends who've come to me and said, you know, my girlfriend has done this and that. And I said, well, I don't really think that's that bad, mate. Like, mm. I feel like you're getting... You, you... You're getting vexed. And I was like, yeah, I'm like what yeah. did you say to her? And he's like, oh, we had an argument. I'm like, what did, did you shout at her? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, you crossed the line there, mate. Mm. You can't just be shouting at someone because they've annoyed you a little bit. Someone mm. you like live with or share a space with. You can't disrespect that space. Mm by screaming at them because they've annoyed you. Mm. Take a walk. Yeah, I agree. And I think men need to get better at being able to find whatever their release valve is with their mates. Yeah. Instead of just their yeah, partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you heap Definitely. all of it on them, it's just not going to end well. No, no, no. And like you, le- and you end up resenting yourself for yes. doing it. But yeah. yeah, so I think I think like hard truths, community, opening up like if they want to. And like finding lots of men don't have hobbies I found yeah, yeah. Lot, like most of my friends that are girls have like stuff they're interested in and they do lots of my friends are boys they do their job they like going out but they don't do anything else yeah. there's no hobby like, find a hobby mate and, and if it's is. a hobby some, if, if it's a sport then great but sometimes it's not even a sport yeah right? yeah, yeah yeah just find any like, what do you like just do that do more <laughs> yeah. that. Herman it's been an absolute pleasure mate to have you on yeah, um, you ever me. since I saw you boys I wanted to get you on and give you a voice on the, on the podcast and I'm really excited for what you guys do next but I'll be at your next London show Sam, so uh, thank, thank you so much for coming on Behind the Mic yeah thanks for having me I've enjoyed it thank you well that's all we've got time for in this episode of Behind the Mic I want to say a big thank you to Herman from the Sakwa boys for being my special guest on this episode and for letting me go Behind the Mic with him the biggest banger in the Sakwa boys library Belly will play us out and I'll put all of their streaming links and social media links in the show notes, as always. I'll sign us off by saying thank you to all the vendors who've tuned in. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, give it a share on social media. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. If you're feeling generous, write us a review and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash ventshelpuk if you want to financially support Vent. And if you can't do that, you can make a one-off donation to our GoFundMe or you can buy a Vent t-shirt 
Both those links on our link tree. That's linktr.ee slash ventshelpuk. Stay tuned for the next episode of Behind the Mic. And remember, guys, it is always okay to vent. I said you ever had a spliff of a scammer Phone gets rung bare times like a ladder My life was mad but keeps getting madder Your girl get daggered, no sleep though When I've been around I leave a mark like peep show Ain't deep though, I just breathe smoke Now I got a stake in the game like a T-bone Game so easy, my guy's greasy Stay so steezy, room stay steamy Game my friends out Phoebe, PG Ain't get peaked so please don't tease me I was in the back street, now I'm in the backseat Growing up things like I needed a fat sleep Back this butt fast, so I get fucked fast But 320s like I just chucked off Always trying to wild out so I pull a pile out Couple of squares like you pulled a tile out You're so mad cause us man the style now Trying to hit the target, you man a mile out Couldn't believe my luck We drop the tunes to get love Pull up to the party so drunk, let's have it I'm in the mood to get fucked I said, it's getting out in here like Nelly Stepped in the club like the first scene of Belly Hype is alive like the tunes on the telly I'm sipping on any, my team coming heavy We on the heist like Danny Bro, empty the clip, I got many flows Put that money in the bag, I ain't playing Yo, and that tab on my tongue got me saying Whoa, grilling that fifth to some jungle You can't call me bear Bills, give me a moment I just need to park up my space Shift, late, shift Another one cause another life This ain't it We came to blow your base Bins, do some blow and make hits uh, Do I look like I need space on your playlist? Look at the thing that I came with I'm spinning around like a top plate My team keep on winning, we don't have to practice Practice makes paper that's already past this So fuck it Team keep on winning, we don't have to practice Practice makes paper that's already past this So fuck it uh. Here we game next year, yeah, we're living it up Like a SSD, she backing it up Come through, see me, and we're loving it up What's more and more, yeah, racking it up Throwing it up, coughing it up Need a hundred G's, yeah, can't get enough On the ones and threes, keep patterning up Like a ABCs, it's easy enough, yeah Yo, mix down in an instant, yeah Quick fire and you missed it, yeah. Got gifted, we lift it, yeah Yeah, we bumped and we shift it, yeah. Check me, I'm persistent, yeah Rolled up and we twist it, yeah. High speed when we drift it, yeah Within the sound, no resistance It's sickening, it's illusions I'm a nuisance, I'ma do this It's a loose shit, SP, SP, yeah. yeah With the movement, it's groovy I'm a rude kid, it's intuitive Come easy, easy peasy Let me squeezy, get out the way, yeah, please excuse me Eight loud smoke fill up my lungs Whoa, drop that tab on my tongue On stage or out in a rave Find man right at the front don't know where I'm from, so I spend time in a dance, feel love. Beautiful people, different frequencies, living as one. Life's a daze, I'm still here, so I'm amazed. Smoking haze every day, that's the way that I live, I won't change. On top of the bass bins, but full speed, yeah, man's going non stop. Don't give a fuck if you think I'll flop. That mentality don't do lots, nah. Hey, that is a fever. Whatever the weather, we smoking that cheddar. These men are just fed up. Stuck in the matrix, I'ma do better. Yeah, I'ma go far. Wise man once said, aim for the stars, shoot for the moon. Heard that too, so I set off on the path I choose. Whoa.